Welcome to the Real Deal Podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Manny Marshall, alongside my co-host, Todd Martinez. In the building. Uh, so today on the Real Deal Podcast, we are going to be talking about um, a little bit some more of the insanity roster madness that's happened here in the buildup to Texas Dallas, the first event for the PSP, it's going to get crazy, Todd. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go over the schedule. We're going to go over the brackets. Um, I want to talk about Odin today uh, and Ragnar Lothbrok. Kind of want to get into that a little bit, um, which is fitting because, you know, Oliver's been on his spiritual journeys. And uh, we'll be, you know, kind of wa- walking across the earth like Kang in Kung Fu. Um, and we bid him well on his journey. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and yeah, so there's just so many storylines heading into this first event. And also, I really appreciate all the messages you guys have been sending about um, enjoying the podcast. Uh, so yeah, hit me up, man, with stories. And one of the really big things that we also want to talk about this year is these, you know, there's so many fascinating, you know, players and teams that are, are they're battling in the divisional ranks. And but we can't bring those stories to light until you, you know, put some shine on it and let us know what sort of fights you guys are fighting. Uh, to try to play this game at, at the levels that you guys are playing in and try to continue your paintball quest. So, uh, yeah, so without further ado, also well, a little bit more ado. Um, thank our sponsors, of course, uh, Key Action Sports, uh, Die Precision Planet Eclipse, uh, always coming through at the top levels of the game, helping everybody out, including us here, as we, uh, you know, try to talk about some paintball stuff. So, Todd, man, Dallas is almost on us. I... What a shocker of an offseason. It has been a brutally crazy offseason for professional paintball uh, with, with all the different changes in which we've been talking about. Um, but the biggest news to drop uh, this last week was that Oliver Lang is not going to be playing with Dynasty uh, in the, for the 2015 season, which, you know, uh, to be honest with me, Oliver's a free spirit. Um, he's a wanderer. You know, he's a, he's a traveler. He's a, you know, he's a bright soul who loves exper- new experiences, and that's just Oliver, you know. And that's why, that's why he came to paintball. That's why he dominated his ability to kind of see the world in a different way and do stuff that hadn't really been done and then do it in his, with his own style. That's the reason why he is Oliver Lang and the reason why he is arguably the best paintball player to walk the earth ever and yeah. just be a beast for as long as he has. So if anyone has the right, it's like, G- it's like GSP in MMA, man. When GSP decided to walk away, um, it's not a direct comparison. Uh, you know, I mean, GSP's on a lot of people's top 10 lists. Um, but, you know, I mean, guy went out on top, dude. He had a you know, questionable win and then decided that he's tired of getting punched in the face for a living. He's already rich. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rich. But, uh, but you know, he just he's on his quest. Your thoughts? You played with Oliver for a long time. What do you think? Yeah, I love Oliver. You know, the thing about him is that, uh, you know, it's not surprising that he comes back every year. and He's always came back better and better and better, you know, from, you know, 19, well, geez, I'd say probably when we started playing 1998, you know, up until now. He just somehow gets better and better every year. The competition gets better, and he always seems to stay above the competition. Um, you know, he went on one of these, you know, spiritual journeys last year and came back and dominated it. And I'm pretty sure he went on one the year before he when he came back and won the top gun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's definitely a huge loss for Dynasty. But at the same time, I'm not quite sure that Oliver's going to go the whole season and not play a PSP with Dynasty. So, I mean, that being said, you know, if he, if he is 
uh, and in fact gone for the whole season and doesn't come back, I definitely think that's a huge loss for Dynasty. But you know, they made some pretty good pickups in the offseason as well. They got Dalton Vanderbilt back huge. with the all of a sudden collapse of uh, Tampa Bay damage and before the reemergence of Tampa Bay damage. Um, the, the death and rebirth. The death and rebirth, the phoenix rising <laughs> of what is now the strange logoed uh, Tampa Bay damage. We're shooting uh, Mac Dev and wearing Virtue products. Um, but they also picked up Alex Rodriguez from the Ironmen. And, uh, Do you think that's that it? it? Yeah, I think so. But um, I, obviously no one can really fill Oliver's shoes. Uh, right. Not the way Oliver can. No one's yeah. that uh, charismatic no, uh, as far as his ability to lead by example on the field. I mean, he riles people up. I mean, look what he did in the one-on-ones. You know, first guy out. Uh, we're talking about, so the, in case you guys are unfamiliar, and you know, I've been hyping this game for a while now just because it was the, one of the last games we saw of the year. It was the last game of the year that we saw the Challengers final at World Cup when Infamous and Dynasty fought to a draw through overtime and then played the longest series of one-on-ones that we've seen in the game. And Oliver was the first guy out. He was the last guy left alive. Bobby Vils felt he got cheated. Bobby demanded to be put out there to play against Oliver in that one-on-one. Travis Lemansky from Infamous, the coach and owner, put Bobby out. And even though Bobby's a stud, Oliver pretty much dominated him and, you know, just kept him in his bunker and ended up winning that one. To put the first. And that's, you know, I mean, and Oliver did it like, like a pro does, you know, like it wasn't his first rodeo, man. Just walked out there with poise and confidence and skills and knew what he had to bring and did it and executed. So... The question, my long-winded uh, little intro to the question is, you know, how do you feel that uh, that A Rod matches up? Um, you know, because a lot of people have been saying, oh, they got A Rod. A Rod's a beast up the middle, which he is. But in your opinion, how do you think he matches up as a player? And you know, knowing that, you know, I mean, Oliver and and uh, and A Rod have a little bit. They have different skill sets. Yes, they both attack the center very well. Both, yes, they're very good at. It. We've seen, you know, A Rod putting up highlight reel performances with well, the Ironman. Oliver is easily one of the most versatile players in the game. That's why he's the best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oliver goes up the middle when he realizes that he's going to win games for his team up the middle. If Oliver feels he needs to win teams on the Dorito side, he'll go to the Dorito side. Same thing with the snake. You know, Oliver came up playing the snake because there were so many dominant snakes that it was easy for him to get in there and, and dominate the game for his team. Mm-hmm. Um, A-Rod, we haven't really seen him play much. He never, He's never played the snake. We've never seen that before. Um, he's gone to the snake side but never really been a snake player. Uh, we really haven't seen him be a dominant Dorito player. So, you know, he's not exactly a three-tool player, you know, as of yet. He mm-hmm. may get some different opportunities with Dynasty, but I'm pretty sure Dynasty's going to expect him to be an up-the-middle player as well. Do you think they'll try to diversify with A-Rod? Because I don't think so. Getting Dalton back, that was their main Dorito attacker. And with the absence of Dalton, Blake Yarber has really flourished in that position, right? And then when they need a go-to guy sometimes on the Dorito side, they'll send Ryan that way. How do you think the return of Dalton is going to affect Blake's playing time. We all love Blake. I mean, Blake's one of my favorite people. We've had him on the podcast. If you haven't listened to the Blake Yarber podcast, pause this one right now. Go listen to that one. You're in for a treat. Blake had a crazy series of adventures (laughs) last year. He almost died and whatever. It was amazing. But, um, But, you know, Blake is still not as experienced as Dalton is. And Dalton, they've been trying to get him back since he decided to, to take the money and go play for damage. And, it was only one year, you know. But yeah. I, I definitely think that last year, um, Dalton, I think he was challenged a lot more on damage. You know, I, I think that he took it upon himself. You know, I mean, obviously damage was a, a great team. They finished second overall. But I think that Dalton really, 
you know, whether it was him challenging himself uh, to be the best player on that team or to live up to his paycheck or just to or just feeling that he needed to be uh, somebody that stepped up for damage and really shouldered a lot of the, the, the burden of killing out there on the field. Um, I thought that uh, last year actually was one of my favorite years to watch him play. You know, I thought he had a pretty solid year last year and, you know, damage, like I said, ended up still taking second overall. Well, I think with, with Dalton specifically, I think one of the things that's tough for younger players to grasp is when to attack, when to not. And then also that timing issue, that also important difference between good and great. And I think that what Dalton has been able to cultivate is that he was a, you know, he was a, Dalton's a beast, man. And, uh, and he was good when he played, even when vicious and when he was playing with Aftermath and as he was coming up. And then when he, when he got on Dynasty, he really started to rise to, to prominence. But I think that because he's, he's had so many different looks with different teams and so many different field outs over the years and so many different situations, I think we haven't seen the best Dalton that we could potentially see this year. So, and knowing that how hungry, you know, he's going to be to want to really come back in the dynasty lineup and start, you know, cutting heads off again for them. Um, I think it could be a really exciting year to kind of counter, or not counter, but to co-sign on what you're saying. Yeah, I think the the addition of Dalton is actually probably going to save them in a lot of instances from the loss of Oliver. You know, picking up A-Rod is definitely a good pickup, but getting Dalton back as he continues to rise in his uh, level of skill play, uh, you know, level of skill every year, uh, I think is going to definitely be huge for them. But I don't know, like as far as how how Dynasty's going to do, uh, I think that over the past couple years, having such a high level of talent, uh, and having Oliver Lang and Ryan Greenspan playing at the top of their games still as well, uh, really helped Dynasty um, be as successful as they were. But now not having Oliver, who is your best player and your captain and leader, uh, I definitely, I mean, it, it's going to hurt bad. I just want to see how it's going to hurt. You know, is it going to hurt yeah. more on the field or is it going to hurt more off the field in that leadership or with the type of the way that he reads fields mm-hmm. and, you know, communicates that to uh, guys like Ryan and Alex and, uh, you know, the coach. So. Well, I think that there's so many different ways. This is why it's going to be so interesting to see what happens with Dynasty this year. Um, but to, to speak on Ryan Greenspan real quick, man, Ryan Greenspan really became the player he is when Oliver left the first time. Mm-hmm. When Oliver left Dynasty to go back to the Ironman, and that's when we really saw the best, The you know, Oliver, I mean, uh, Ryan really stepped his game up. You know, he took that personally, and, I mean, the Dynasty guys hated Oliver for a while. And, I mean, most of them didn't even talk to Oliver for a decent amount of time when he went to the Ironman. And, you know, I think John O'Meara, who was, like, one of the guys that, that helped, was helping him out, um, we all love, you know, John, but John was, like, coaching Dynasty at the time. Um and I played with John on the Ironman years ago. So, you know, he's been around forever. But he put it the best when, when Oliver left the first time. He basically said, I think it was in a Dirter video when he was asked about it. And he's like, you know, he's like, oh, what, I can't remember the exact quote. But he was like, he's like, Oliver didn't just hurt those guys. He broke their hearts, you know. And I, and I think that those guys have such like a brother-brother relationship um, that, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I haven't really talked to the guys in depth about Oliver leaving. But I know they're not stoked on it. You know, um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's fuck, dude. Oliver's going to do what Oliver wants to do. And if he wants to go on some awesome quest across the earth and do some cool stuff and travel, like, you know, he deserves to do that. Again, he's, yeah. he's put his time in. Um, but I'd be surprised if, I mean, 
I'll be surprised if he's not playing World Cup with Dynasty. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I just I – really, can you see him go the whole year and, like – I wouldn't even doubt if he missed four events and came back a World Cup. I wouldn't doubt it. I, I mean, as, as much as we talk about how much of a competitor he is, mm-hmm. you know, for him to – I mean, because he didn't say he's not playing at all this well, he's year. Still gonna he play, he's going to play He's still going to play in Europe with the Russians, but I think that that was kind of like that's – I mean, you know, if I was on Dynasty, I'd be, yeah, I mean, it's, I can get it. You know, I, I get it from uh, from that perspective. For him, for all of to go play with the Russians on the Polar Bears, that's not a huge time commitment for him. Yeah. Get a little bit little bit of money. I mean, I don't, they're not, it's not like he's getting rich off that. But not much practice. You're not much practice, but you don't have to commit a shit ton of time of your life, and you still can, you know, get that, that, that tournament paintball in and stay crisp, but... You know, and polar barrels are let Oliver play just because he's Oliver. Yeah. They're not gonna if he misses every practice, you know, then the polar bears aren't gonna say anything. If he misses every dynasty practice, somebody's gonna have something to say about it. Yeah, and you, you know, you were on that team forever. Yeah, I know so. exactly how that goes. Yeah, so, but uh, you know, so dynasty's schedule is um, they play. Uh, so you know, get your get your patent paper down, pull out your notes on your phone. Um, this is we're gonna start talking about the webcast schedule. So for dynasty, if you're a dynasty fan, you want to watch them play. Um, and these are all Texas times. We're going to be in Dallas. Uh, it's 10:15 on Friday. Dynasty plays Boom, uh, and you know Boom is Boom's one of those teams that stills a question mark, man. You know, um, I, we don't know exactly how good Boom could get. We don't know if they're going to surprise people like Revo surprised people last year. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Revo proved that they deserve to be there. And I mean, you know, uh, we want to see what Bear DeGidio's got. You know, he's gonna, he's playing with Boom. <laughs> we saw Revo grinding every weekend, though. Yes. You know, like I mean, not that you know, Boom doesn't have uh, you know a lot of people out there practicing, but I mean, all you saw from all the people from Revo was just the drills, the practice days. Like those dudes were seriously committed, and it definitely yeah. showed. You know, Boom. Uh, I don't know. They like like you said, they're moving. They're bringing in players from California now. They were normally a Midwestern, you know, base team. I don't know. But they, they chose to step up. I mean, they were there last year, you know, so they do have a little bit of experience in the Challengers division. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when you end up in Dynasty X-Factor, I guarantee he's going to come out smoking hot beginning of this year. Hold on a second. Well, we, and we have to – this is also news we need to break. So first things last uh, <laughs> is that – so because there had been such a cataclysmic, um, you know, rocking of the pro paintball world – you know, we're we're back to uh, it's it's a round robin, man. Vicious gone, yeah. Vicious VCK gone, gone. Our chaos gone, our chaos excessives gone. gone. Um, so you know, you're taking you know, just between vicious and our chaos, you're talking about two top teams that left from the, the champions division. Yeah. So essentially, the PSP has decided that. And what, I mean, what else can they really do? You time, know? To, time to throw them all in the ring. Let's throw them. Throw, 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 yeah, it's a big ass Royal Rumble, and Rumble. we're gonna. It's got, we got the <laughs> PSB Royal Rumble. Hulk Hogan's gonna be coming off the bench, but yeah. So Rowdy Roddy Piper's commentating from the uh, <laughs> and a Ric Flair, dude. <laughs> uh, one of the things that we always like to talk about are, uh, on this podcast are other dope podcasts, yeah. and uh, um, I think it was This American Life. No, it was Radio Lab. So, guys, if you want to, um, to listen to, and I'm not even a wrestling fan at all. Like, I mean, I, you know, yeah, like just like every other kid, I watched Hulk Hogan when I was a kid in the WWF, but didn't really like truly understand, you know, because it's, you know, it's the knee jerk reaction if you don't like wrestling. Um, which is probably half the dudes that are listening to this right now, or, or females, are probably like, yeah, dude. Well, the, 
when the hell are you going to talk about pro wrestling and shit is fake? But it is. But um, but when I was listening to this podcast, as I always listen to the Radio Lab podcast because they just do badass podcasts. Uh, this was one of the most artfully created and informative and fascinating podcasts that I've ever listened to because they somehow merged um, professional wrestling. They, they, it, so it's called the La Mancha Screwjob. That's the episode of this podcast. Did we, we talk about this already? Yeah, yeah we yeah. talked about this. So, but for everyone listening out there, essentially they, they, they need tell to, they you... They need to go listen to this. Yeah, yeah they tell you the history of how um, the WWE... Uh, WCW um, was fighting against the WWE and how wrestling, because at a certain time period, wrestling had higher ratings on Monday night than Monday night football did in the late 90s, mm-hmm. and, uh, which is pretty insane when you really think about that. And so when that happened, this, this podcast breaks down like when the change happened. So again, I don't want to ruin it. You got to go watch it. But they also somehow roll in Don Quixote. Uh, and the ultimate existential angst, which is what is real? You know, are you and I actually sitting in this room and talking to each other right now about, you know, playing war and paintball or are we (laughs) dreaming it? Are we, you know, like all that hippie bullshit, but it's still fascinating stuff to talk about. And, um, but yeah, so check that out. But anyway, what was I talking about before that? Uh, dynasty, Royal Rumble. All these, so yes. basically, we're going to four brackets of four for the yes. first event. Four brackets of four. It's going to be three the giant games Royal Rumble. Each. Yeah, three top games two each. from each bracket make it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So Dynasty. Then they play the one game the first day. They play at ten fifteen against Boom. The second day, Dynasty is going to play at eight o'clock in the morning uh, against Trent Top Gun Union, and then they play against San Antonio X Factor. Wow, I can't wait to see that San Antonio X Factor game. That's yeah. going to be, obviously, every team is going to be a test because you don't want to sleep on anyone in this division. As we just talked about, yeah. you know, there's been a lot of teams that have been the spoilers. 187 has played a huge role of a spoiler for the past couple seasons. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to them in a little bit. But um, So let's kind of transition and talk about X Factor then a little bit. You yeah, know, X they're... Factor, another team that's been grinding hard. You know, uh, you talked to a couple of those dudes, obviously Grayson, Archie, Skimp. You know, those guys have been out there switching up their practices, like what they're doing to get prepared for uh, the new rule changes. You know, it's been rainy and cold, but, you know, they got picked up Carl Markowski. It was a good pickup for them. Um, so I believe starts, Bernacci is healthy again. Who starts on the snake side then? Well, they lost Ninos as well, right? Yes, Ninos, so Ninos went to he AC went to Dallas. AC Dallas, but I mean, I think you have got to keep running Billy Bernaccia, you know, as long as he's getting in there. I think, you know, I talked to him a little bit. He's actually really pumped to get back in there with the true semi. You know, uh, no coaching. You know, he's ecstatic about that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, you got Billy. You got a smile on your face because it's going to get crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think that uh, you know, watching them last year. Um, you know, Billy actually played pretty consistent for them. You got the Top Gun and Archie uh, coming back. You know, he hates the the true semi rule, but hates it, <laughs> hates, hates it with it. a passion, hates it. But some know. guys like it, some guys hate it. And hey, everyone's entitled to their opinion. You know, yeah. they really are. Um, but, but but it's interesting. But I I just I. I think Archie's the type of he's like the quintessential dude that should actually benefit from. Yeah. I mean, I can see him out there feasting on dudes. Yeah, because he's that that guy that you know when you get down a four on two, he starts one balling people in the face, evens the bodies back up, and then goes and wins a one on one for you. I also know he's you know? been doing some some training, and I don't want to give his secrets away. You're gonna have to hit Archie up for it, but he's been doing some training to get his fingers to kind of hit that rhythm. Mm-hmm. So if you could just imagine like what type of training you could do to get your fingers in a rhythm, Archie's been doing that um, finger swimming. 
finger swimming. Some finger swimming, some finger finger ups. Yeah, finger yeah, finger push you know, ups. Some heavy heavy duty finger ups. CrossFit finger training. Mm-hmm. Is that that that's that that's the new new? Yeah, that's when you have to like run across a table with just your fingers and then jump off the table with just your fingers and then finger climb back, back up the stairs. You don't do finger backflips until you start doing like the finger rings. Oh, for sure. You know, it's like a ring exercise. But, you know, MMA finger training is actually pretty tough. Man, I haven't, I'm going to have to research that because, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like just I like, keep up on everything, but yeah. I just, you're blowing my mind right it's now. Not, it's not just finger resistance band training, you know? Like, if you really want to hit it hard this year, you got to do finger free weights. Mm, you're right. You know? Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. If you take, I personally at home, I have a shake weight, and instead of holding it with, like, my whole fist, I just hold it with my fingers. You know, just one two, at a time. Two fingers? Two three at fingers? a time. Three at a time. Furiously shake weighted up with... Sometimes I borrow my girl's shake weight. She's got the heavier one, Mm -hmm. you know, that I can't really pick up. Mm -hmm. You know, and I try and do that with two hands so I can work on... Like, I don't want my right hand to get... My right fingers to get stronger than my left (laughs) fingers, you know? So I just... Uh Furiously shake weight, you know, with that with that heavy duty shake weight. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Archie's got do he's doing something, even though he hates the rule. He's still uh, he's doing he's working on it. So I think Archie is going to, uh, you know, shake weights aside. I think Archie's going to I think he's going to destroy people again this year. Yeah. I don't see how how does Archie not destroy people with the rules the way they are. Yeah. He's good at walking fields. He's good at seeing variables. And here's what I think this is what's so interesting, and this is why I can't wait to actually watch these damn games after all this craziness that's happened in the off season. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's really all about. It's about the competition. That's what I give a shit about. That's why I love this game. I want to see who the best gunfighters in the world are. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see, I don't see a world where Archie's not just destroying people out there this year. Yeah. It, because now, and this is, I think, an interesting question for damage. Because they still X Factor still has a coach. And so X Factor, just real quick um, on the schedule, and this is all going to be out on PSP, so you can go check out this and, and uh, get ready for it again. And also the event, March 13th to 15th, is next weekend. Um, I'm not sure exactly when we're going to release this podcast, uh, but again, March 13th through the 15th. Um, so uh, X Factor, uh, 10-15 on Saturday. They're playing against Dynasty. Um, they start their tournament off right away. So actually... At, first game. Yeah, first game against Boom and then against Trenton Top Gun Union at 9.30. So we're going to find out. And this is actually kind of uh, almost a bad draw for X Factor. Because, you think so? Well, well, no, they get but, to play the first game and the third game. But think about it this way. But they don't get any time to scout the field. Everyone else is going to be watching X Factor's games and learning from their mistakes or from, or from their successes. So if they go out and they walk that field well, they have first game and third game. So you could look at it. I mean, you could argue it probably for me yeah. any other way. But they don't. They don't have the luxury of being able to watch any games played on this field. Whereas you know, Infamous does. They play in the. They play two games on Friday as well um, at two o'clock and four fifteen. But they play in the afternoon. Yeah, I think with the talented roster that X Factor has, you know, a championship team with pretty much the same roster intact, with the addition of Carl Markowski, mm-hmm. you know, who's. Uh, faster than Ninos and has more experience than Ninos, so basically sub him in, sub him out. They're playing their first two games against challenger teams. You know, Top Gun Union, you know, challenger team. Well, when I, I'm not saying ba- I'm not saying bad draw for the, who you're playing, and right. obviously don't sleep on anybody. But I'm talking about just not having the ability to really invest yourself in learning that field by watching other people play it. I hear you, but uh, sometimes that's like my favorite thing to do, you know, show up first thing, especially now where nobody sees the field ahead of time, mm-hmm. you know, like I always love practice first thing in the morning, you know, like 
plan a team. You like to start practice early, get there, show up. My favorite thing to do at practice was to run to the other team's side of the field first game in the morning because everybody's still half asleep. Nobody's ready for it. Nobody's in the groove yet. You know, that's my favorite time of day because everybody's still kind of waking up. You know, Red Bulls have to kick in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think for, I think for X Factor, I'll, I'll tell you right now, they're going to 7 1 boom first game. I'm, I'm just going to throw just it out throwing there. Right it out now. there. So you're saying 7 1 7 boom. 1 boom. 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 First thing in the morning. What do you think about that that Heat Seattle Thunder game? Heat Seattle Thunder game? Well, That's it depends. The second game, so eight eight forty five. Second game of the of, of Friday first well, day. I think Art Chaos. Uh, I mean, uh, Houston Heat is actually gonna come out, and I mean, it's pretty much the team that won two events last year. It's basically right? it, well, two events last year, and also the starting four that asswamped Tampa Bay damage yeah. into, into the ground. Buried them seven yeah. zero in the final game at World Cup. I think that Seattle Thunder, if they play the way that they played at World Cup, they have a shot to be a decent team this year. Mm-hmm. But if they play like they played every event before that last year, then they could be in trouble. But I mean, you never know. But getting Houston Heat first thing back <laughs> in the morning, that's going to be a tough job. It's, well, it's a te- it's a test for Thunder. I mean, but the thing is, is like Thunder really started working on their lineup yeah. last year. Um, they're going to be sh- – Nico Perry can't make it for the next one, and he's finally grown in his I – don't, I, mean, I don't know if he still wants to, you know, pursue paintball as much as he has been. I'm not really sure there. Um, but I did like – I started to like I, – I, I liked what I saw from Seattle Thunder towards yeah. the end of World Cup. They didn't have a great 2014. Uh, well, Mikey Lou and Matt Chim, I thought, you know, started to play like they used to play. Well, and think about, again, with the rule changes, now we're heading back to pure paintball. Exactly. And, and, again, dude, and I just have to keep saying this, but I'm so sick and tired of people being like, stop changing everything. Bro, everything changes all the time. You, yourself, yeah. the, entire, the, the entire biosphere, like – you know, you're, the way your cells change over, you're not even the same creature. Like, literally every cell in your body has yeah. been turned over, like, every seven years. Yeah. So you're not even the same person you were when you were a kid. I'm not even nearly as young as I was yesterday. I mean, I'm way younger now than I was. Wait, did I say young or old? I don't know. Did I say young? I think I said young. I meant to say old. I'm way older now. <laughs> um, but, uh, and by the way, it's pissing me off. I just wanted to say... I don't know how you don't have any gray in your beard yet. It's making me a little angry because we went to a buddy's birthday party last night, and we were talking about how old everybody is now. Mm-hmm. And it's a little frustrating for me that I'm starting to look like Santa Claus, and you know, you just still have like super sweet red beard. I had that one, but I, I tried to save it as long as I could, but I had to shave it. <sighs> Fine, I will I carry. Know. I will carry the gray beard torch for the both of us hey. until you look start to look like your father. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Um, so, but I want to get back to uh, we were, before we went on a couple little bit of tangents, but that's what we, we do. do that. We do that. Um, I think it's going to be interesting with uh, looking at teams coach and no coach. So I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about this, seeing as, you know, you've been in the trenches coaching teams now for a little bit. Um, you're not coaching this year, which I'm actually super stoked about. I'm not stoked that we're losing you as a character, as a coach. Because you're always really fun to watch, and I love watching the games when you're in there in the mix. But I'm really happy that you're going to be with us full time doing, you know, all the commentary for the game. So I'm stoked on that. But the question I'm wondering about is, and I talked to Jason a little bit about this in the podcast I have with him. And if you haven't listened to the last podcast with Jason Edwards, um, he breaks down, you know, how they save damage and how there's been a big changing of the guard. They don't have Joey around anymore. It's it's going to be a new world for them. Um, but they don't have a coach. You know, Kevin Brett Dower was coaching them last year. 
you know, they can't afford to be bringing in, you know, they don't have the outside help from anybody. They don't, that it's just straight Florida base now. And that's the way they're going to keep it. Um, but you have to walk fields again. You also don't have that luxury of those practices because you have to walk fields again. And the layout comes out at the, at Thursday at the event. So, from a coach's perspective for you, how intense do you think it is going to be in those pits as these guys try to figure out what the hell is going on out there and try to actually get executable game plans to figure out what's working, what's not working? I used to be able to do all that in practice leading up, so you had at least you know three, four good plays. You can't do that anymore. Mm. you got to just wing it almost. I thought that this was going to be one of the most exciting uh, years yet you know, because of that. Because, I mean, just from all the preparation that I would put into – uh, every event, you know, through practices and then leading up to the event, walking the fields and then watching other games. Um, I feel that it's going to be more exciting than ever. Yeah, I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to have that exact time to prepare uh, game plans. But like we've seen from X Factor, you know, if you follow all those guys on social media, you know, the way that they're doing different things to practice, I think that is going to be crucial. You know, just having your players more prepared. You know, your, your, your games, your points aren't going to be won now based on knowing the field and making sure you hit specific shots. It's going to be your ability to adapt. And that's kind of what I prided myself on, being able to watch a game, you know, read the situations, read your personnel at the same time, and, you know, figure out what's working and what's not working on the fly. You know, like, you, you, you can ask any of the teams, you know, any of the players that I've coached before, you know, I would come up with a bunch of game plans and then the night before, I would change all the game plans. And then in the morning of, I'd change all the game plans again. So it wouldn't be anything new for me. You know, that's kind of the way that we did it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it, it just would make it even more exciting for a coach knowing that, you know, you're not just going up against some other coach's game plans. You know, you're, it's your ability to adapt. It's your player's ability to adapt. Uh, you know, your player's ability to keep their heads in the game. And, you know, obviously, again, who always wants it the most. Mm-hmm. So I think all those factors are just heightened even more with the uh, uh, subtraction of coaching and the addition of – and the subtraction also of uh, having the field out ahead of time. So for damage specifically, because we could literally go down the list and talk about how this is going to break down for all the teams, but yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, the damage has been so used to kind of having things – done for them yeah um because they you know they had a manager they had a coach they had they had people that did all that for them now these guys have been doing this for so long that's that's what that's the key right there yeah the key for damage is the fact that they have had their core group together for a long time and their style of play has always been and their their methodology has always been get five guys out alive and we'll win Mm -hmm. well when you still have jason edwards jacob edwards daniel holiday those three dudes right there are, you know, super solid players. I think uh, Jason and Jacob actually led the team last year in kills. Daniel Holiday is, you know, I think an unsung hero. Gets no credit for, you know, all the stuff that he does. Yeah, you lose Chad Bougere and you lose um, uh, Keith Brown. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's, there's, they had solid players. Well, they picked up your protege. Yeah, uh, Ryan Leaf. Luis <laughs> Munoz, yeah, we'll see how he is, uh, where his head's at. But um, Everett played for them, you know, played with them back in the day on Strange. You still have Brian Smith, who's another guy like Daniel Holiday that gets no credit. He played the snake for them all year last year. Um, you know, they, they actually were going to pick up Trevor Reeser, but he ended up going to Infamous when the, you know, when the team imploded. When so I think that happens. was kind of a loss for them. But 
You know, I, when you have a team that's all based out of the same area and you get to play consistently, especially in a place like Florida where it's always warm, it's always nice, there's always people out there that want to play. 187 um, just came down to practice. Yeah, you know, and, and teams want to go down to practice. Infamous is going there this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had a, a ton of solid practices. You know, oh, Jerry Devereaux was the other one that they were going to well, pick and up. And poor Jerry got in a car accident and is, yeah. like, still in the hospital and can't feel his late. I mean, it's bad, you know. So we, we actually, when we do send our thoughts out to Jerry, everybody loves Jerry, so we hope, wish him a speedy recovery. But that also, I mean, think about how that sucks for Jerry, too, man. Like, yeah. he'd been, you know, grinding on the R&T All-Stars <laughs> all these to get his years shot. and finally gets his shot to play on, like, the premier Florida pro paintball team. Yeah. And then... Disaster strikes, pops a tire in his car, and ends up rolling his, you know, rolling his his, uh, his ride, and now is still in the hospital. Yeah. So I mean, that's a horrible, horrible thing. And again, we hope he gets better soon. But it, there's just a lot of questions. And it's again down the list. But also, I'm interested to see what Munoz is going to do, man. You know, I mean, he, we saw him at, uh, you know, at the at the um, the college championships, and he inc- stood out a above and beyond everyone else that was there that year. And then, you know, you guys gave him a shot on Vicious. It didn't work out because um, he needed to, you know, fix some personal stuff. Yeah. And uh, and now he's got another shot with damage. Yeah. So that's huge. That's huge for him, man. If he comes in and handles his shit, I mean, he could be, you know, we know he has the innate talent to play this game at a high level. The question is, like, is he going to be able to execute and do the work required, you know, to capitalize on that talent? Yeah, he got pretty pumped on himself there really quick. You know, in the few tournaments that had played with us before he went batshit crazy. And, you know, I thought he had a lot of talent, you know, and ability. But, you know, your ego is a killer thing, you know. You start thinking you're a lot better than you are. You know, you can fall to the bottom pretty quick. Well, look at Wake. Remember, Zach, you know, Zach Wake. And when Zach Wake was having his issues and he hurt his leg and he was trying to ingratiate himself back to, to infamous... And it was tough for him because he burnt some bridges, and he had kind of got that rep as like a guy who was really hard to work with and egotistical. And he came back and reformed his game, and he pulled out some huge stuff for them last yeah. year. Man. Well, I, mean, I mean, that also took getting cut by two different teams, you know, or leaving a good team, you know, where you had a home and you had people that supported you because your ego thought that you needed something else. Going to two other teams, and you know, getting cut, taken down a couple notches. You know, before you start that self-assessment to figure out what you really need to do to come back and be the player, uh, you know, that you could be. But I mean, like you said, you know, you get a you get a, another opportunity. You work harder. You make the best of it. Look what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Dallas MVP, World Cup. Uh, you know, helps win that last game against Dynasty. He was the hero in Dallas at their win, and he was their hero at World Cup. There are two huge performances that yeah. they had last year uh, in sandwich between a bunch of terrible performances. Yeah. Zach Wake was the one that stepped up. I mean, again, you know, obviously team effort, a lot of guys stepped up to get him to that point. But at, when it counted, the clutch performance came down to Wake. And that's what I was, was always telling Wake, man. We had a long uh, trip together back from Europe, and I was telling him, and we were texting after that, and I was like, dude, bro, you have an edge. It's a little bit of that fuck you that we always say that is, is kind of necessary to become great, but... You have a decision to make because you have an edge. Like, what edge? Who, who does that edge cut? Does it cut you or does it cut your your enemies? And if you let your ego get a little too big, then your edge cuts you, and you don't even know it. You're, you're bleeding yourself out, and you have no idea. And everyone around you is talking shit behind your back about how you're really hard to work with and how you suck and how they don't want you around anymore. You know. And then all of a sudden, you roll up one day, and you're in a meeting, and they're like, oh, dude, you're cut. We wish you the best, and, you know. Yeah, and you don't want to ever. With you. you don't ever want to be in that situation. Yeah. So, 
So, you know, I, I really hope that Munoz does. Because I think that if he plays good paintball, if he plays up to his potential, he could be a huge player for damage. And that's just another one of those stories that we're going to see play itself out, man. You know, I mean, it's just, there's a laundry list of them. It's up to him. Yeah, so, um, and the schedule for impact, um, sorry, for damage is... Uh, hardest know, bracket, hardest bracket here for sure. You think so? Yeah. Damage, 187, Red Legion, and AC Dallas. I think of all these teams coming up, you know, I'm considering Revo as one of the teams that's already up. But AC Dallas... I think of all the new teams, I think they're going to be the toughest to deal with because they had won consistently in Division One, and they pick up Ninos, you know, who Ninos actually uh, played with AC Dallas before. Like, yeah, he told me that that was like, he, had, he was one of the original guys from AC Dallas, you know, when they started that team. So he's actually really excited to come back and, and play a big role for AC Dallas. But, you know, just, I mean, Greg Pauly's been working with those guys a lot and, you know, just... Uh, you know, trying to discipline them. He's got some good players. Brandon Mayo's on that team, uh, and you know they they play they play solid, disciplined paintball. So I think that they're going to be the best of these teams coming up. Well, I, um, I just did an interview with uh, with Paulie. Uh, that's pretty insightful, I think, into the AC Dallas organization. He talks about how they got there. It's a very inspiring story, both with you know because Paulie before you I mean you coached Vicious last year. Paulie was the coach for, for Vicious on their way up the ranks. Paulie also has, um, you know, a really deep history in the sport, and uh, and he saw an opportunity with these kids, and and he breaks it all down kind of in this interview. It's, it's really interesting, and, and uh, it kind of makes me uh, – I was already a fan of AC Dallas, but it, we didn't see him a ton. Um, obviously, we would see them come on and yeah. when, they're get, when, the, when they were fighting for the, the Division One titles. Mm-hmm. But they won that last year, and I was I was talking to Marcelo actually about this the, the other day. I was like, "Yo, dude, don't sleep on AC Dallas." I mean, when you start breaking their team down, I mean, that's a pretty talented team. They got TJ Danner from VCK. Um, it's a huge pickup. I think they picked up the Jackson brothers too. Did they pick up the Jackson brothers? Yeah, because I think they were going to go to Top Gun. I thought they went. I thought they coming, did go to Top Gun. I think they. I think Top Gun was the first, the first move, and then ended up going to AC Dallas. Mm. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the deal. Well, yeah, I mean, I. I, the last time I talked to the, um, the uh, John Jackson was this was weeks ago, and he had said that they were going to Top Gun. I think so. I mean, maybe that's new, but that would be good. I mean, that would make him even more deep. It is huge, though, that uh, that meter that Dimitri Ninos decided to play with them because he was unsure about what he wanted to do. You know, I mean, he wasn't getting the playing time that he felt he deserved on X Factor, and you know, X Factor's response to that would be, "Look, man, um, you know, if you." You know, you're getting the playing. If you, if we feel that you would be more of an asset to the team, you would be getting that playing time. So, you know, this is a story often told. But you know, when after Meter made his decision and I talked to him, I was like, this, you know, this is going to be a bigger. This, it's a big test for you uh, because now you know you want to be the man. All right, well, you're going to get the lion's share of the spins. Yeah. So it's up to you to make the most of that and be a leader. Well, yeah, I mean, that, and, and that's and that what we want to see. super talented. When we saw him play... Like, I'm a huge meter fan. I think yeah. that I really like talking to him. We've yeah. had him on, I've had him on the podcast before. He's, a, he's intelligent beyond his years, but he's another guy that's like, he's got to be careful, though, because, you know, he's still young. He's still learning. So, like, you don't want to think you're already 35 and been doing this for 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're still in your early 20s and you still haven't really yet proven yourself, you know? X-Factor, you know, and X-Factor stacked. You know, they got Kovar and Vernaccia over there on the snake side, splitting time with them. 
or is he playing in the middle where Archie and Grayson play? And then they also have three guys on the Dorito side in Skemp, Jordan, and Colt Roberts, you know, that are pretty uh, solid Dorito players. So, yeah, you know, with AC Dallas, he should have an opportunity to play a lot more, you know, and, and really show his stuff. I, I, I don't want to see it. You know, I mean, that's that's one of the compelling narratives I really believe on for AC, or one of the biggest, other than just the overarching one, which is there for every team. But it's like, okay, they're coming in. How are they going to match up? Because they've been working their asses off, and not just in the off season. They've been working their asses off for years now to get to this point, and then they want this. They've earned this this right to step in with the best players, best gunfighters in the world, and see what they're going to do, what they're made of. Yeah. So they're begging for this test. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, guys like Nino, like Mayo, Mayo, you know, look, Mayo used to be a beast. He's, I'm sure he still is a beast. We just haven't seen a ton out of him. So I know he's got game. We've seen game over the years. So, I mean, you know, between him, that Tyler Spees kid could be badass. Danner's pretty legit. Like, this team's legit, dude. Nate Roberts, apparently. Like, so Paulie's telling me that Nate Roberts is the real deal. Like, that kid is the heart and soul of the team. Played like 97% of their points last year. He even tells a cool story about how like two of their other players, and he didn't name names, but two of their players had had a bad tournament in the prelims. And uh, and it got to the point where he went up to, he's like, you're going to have to play your ass off for us to get to where we need to get to. And the kid was like, I got it. And then like stepped up and had some crazy thing when I think they played R&T All-Stars to get to the finals. They lose the first point in a one-on-one and get a major. And so he goes to, to Roberts and is like, you need to go to the snake off the break and shoot three dudes. And if you don't do that, we're probably going to lose this game. <laughs> and he's and Nate was like, you know we're starting with three, right? And he's like, I don't care. we got to roll the dice. And uh, and he, so sure enough, he gets in there and shoots like three dudes in like ten seconds. And like and they win the point, and they end up coming back and winning it and steal the momentum back. And it was like one of those awesome paintball stories. Yeah. So I'm well, I'm very much looking forward to like I, I, we don't know, man. You know, I mean – they could come out and step up and start contending, and or maybe they need some more time. I don't know, but they have the names to do it. They have the work ethic to do it. Well, I mean, they're going to have to face damage. Moscow Red Legion, mid, mid-level paintball team. And uh, Upton 187 just picked up Nick Sloviak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've been traveling this year to get some practices in, you know, because it's snowing, if nobody's noticed, out on the East Coast It's snowing in Dallas. Bit. It's snowing in Dallas. Yeah. Bring your Parker, bro. Oh, I got it. I'm prepared this year. <laughs> I got nowhere. Oh, last year was miserable. Oh, my gosh. Sunday, yeah. we just, it dropped from like, what was it? I think it was in the low 50s the first two days. And then Sunday, 30 degrees. it was like 33. It was like one degree above freezing. And then it was like kind of going between like 32, 33, because like sometimes the, the water on our desk would freeze. Uh, it was just yeah. miserable. And I was in a hoodie and shorts. We weren't pre- yeah, it's, it was terrible. Yeah. And then I look over and see the Canadians with like trash bags on. And I'm like, okay, they're from Canada. They know how to deal with this. Like, and I go up to Bart. I'm like, is that, that's, is that the move? Like trash bags? He's like, oh, yeah, it traps all the heat in, man. This is the way to do it. And then we're like trying to find trash bags to throw on ourselves. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, seriously, it's like one of the setup crew guys or the setup crew guy, uh, Bert Wright. Um, posted on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it, but it was pretty funny. It was like, um, it was a, first it was a shot of uh, the parking lot of his hotel with like six inches of snow on the ground or five inches. It just looked like a bunch of snow. And he's like, uh, he's like, snow in Dallas. Snow in Dallas at 3.30 a.m. My face in snow in Dallas at 3.30 a.m. when the fire alarm goes off at the hotel. And then it's just him looking miserable because he's got to, you know, head to the field at dawn with snow on the ground and set the, you know, set up everything up for us to actually go and have a tournament in in a little bit of uh, in, a, in a week, 
But yeah, we're, I know we're jumping kind of all over with the schedule, but we just kind of want to give you these stories. Um, and again, the schedule will be online, so you know you head over to PSP Events and check out the schedule um, and uh, and see you know when your favorite teams are going to play. Um, you know, there's you know another one of the compelling narratives is um, is how the Ironmen are going to do this year. Yeah, I mean, th- th- lean and mean. Yeah, they got to you know talk about tests. Lose Mouse, lose A Rod. Um. Brandon Cornell really coming on strong at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Danny Ibarra stepping up his game at the end of the season. Marcelo again finishing in the top five. Picked up second place three years in a row. Marcelo Margot is the most consistent paintball player for the past three years running. Like, there's no comparison. Okay. And then you have uh, Stephen Pitts coming back. Yep. And then the Wiley veteran, Mike Paxson. Still in the mix. Still there. No John John. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be lean and mean for them. But... There's a couple couple tests that are going to be happening there. One, how good is Marcelo going to be this year? How much can he, you know, help carry that team? And then also, the but that's not going to be this. That, that's not going to be the success or failure of the Ironman. It's not all on Marcelo. So I hope he's not putting that on his shoulders. Yeah, because that just ain't the truth. But it's going to be how Shane and Mike and and Marcelo and the rest of the, the guys that have been around for a while, and even Stephen Pitts because he's a veteran. How are they going? To, how quickly can they cultivate that young talent? Because the success or failure of the Ironman rests on whether or not Toe Camel, Daniel Labara, and Brandon Cornell can step up and play at, at an incredibly high level on a regular basis. We all know they can play at a high level. We've seen it. We saw it last year. The Ironman did pretty well last year, um, but didn't you know they just couldn't. They never really could crack that top level. Yeah, their Dorito guys are going to have to play big. You know, they they got. I think Brandon Cornell, you know, playing the, the Dorito side over there at the end of the season uh, was really good because he, he played really well. Mm-hmm. But I think he might have to come over and, and be the snake guy again uh, for them now. You're saying with, Brandon? Yeah, with the absence of Mouse because Mouse was shouldering that snake duty you don't with, think, between him and Toke. You don't think Toke and Danny can handle the snake? Well, we saw Danny playing over on the Dorito side as well. So, I mean, I think that those players are, are versatile. I don't think that they're dominant in every position. Obviously, you know, well, they, they need to they're, become they're, dominant. They're, yeah. <laughs> if but, they want to win term, that team wants to, I know, talk to them. They want to win. Yeah. But they need to evolve dominance. Yeah. I know that's but <laughs> obviously got, easier said than done, but. CC's still there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was, he, he was the good. Dorito player. He was looking good, too. That's yeah. why I was like. You can't was, have all your talent on one side of the field. Yeah. It was tough to, uh, and I don't take anything away from Toke, but Toke's inconsistent. Um, that's, that's actually the big problem with the Ironman. And also, they lose big points. You know, they get to that point where it's like, oh, this is the make-or-break moment right here, and then they'll drop the ball penalty yeah. or they'll throw the point away. Yeah. So they need to work on that. They need to work on that clutch ability, and they, you know, they really they need to get those younger guys up to a, a little bit higher than they than they showed us last year, a little bit more consistency. Because if they don't, then I could still see them, you know, getting to that mid-level boss status and not be able to to crack the. Because dude, look at who they're going against. Yeah. You know, and also and they're coming off a third place overall finish last year. Yeah, I mean the Ironmen were they were <laughs> so, pretty damn consistent last year. I mean, they, only, never, they never dropped down. Yeah, they, you know, I mean we saw tons of when I mean, Dynasty went down, Infamous stayed down there a ton. X Factor went down. I mean, it was a wild and crazy year last year. I expect the same this year. Um, but man, and then also I'm kind of interested to see. You know, there's gonna be an, at least we'll see if it comes to light, but. I'll tell you what, man. There's not a lot of love lost between uh, uh, between A Rod and 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 and, uh, and Marcelo. 
Yeah. And I, I, can, I can already see that happening this year. I mean, because Dynasty and Ironman is an age-old rivalry. And Dynasty is looking to prove themselves, not having Oliver around. I know I, I'm looking forward to the first Dynasty Ironman game that we get to see play, um, which I don't think we're going to get to see. I don't see that on the schedule for the first event. Yeah, because Dynasty plays against Top Gun, 8 a.m. Saturday, and then the Ironman play against Revo. Ironman got a pretty tough bracket, too. Yeah, they play Heat. Revo. Heat, Revo. Yeah, Thunder. it's... That that again, uh, that eleven forty five game on Saturday with the Ironman Heat. Yeah, that's gonna be a good one. I mean, out here in the Royal Rumble, you know, when you have four teams in your bracket, you just got you got to finish top two, right? It's not like last year where, you know, you had, you had to basically win your bracket, you know, and then there was the, you know, you could get in at two and two. Like you got to win two of these games to get through this first prelim, mm-hmm. right? So. Ironman, Heat, Revo, and Thunder in a bracket. I don't think that's nearly as bad as the Damage Crew, Legion, Dallas bracket. But I mean, you never know. You know, you never know. I, I love the first event of the year because you never know who's been training harder than the off season, who came prepared. Uh, you know, I feel like the first event is always the event with like the most wild card factors. You know, where you know, something crazy could happen, you know, mm-hmm. because as the season goes on, you know, teams get better. They learn who they are. They practice more consistently. Nobody's coming out of weather. Like, that was always a thing for Vicious. You know, we couldn't practice because we were under snow out in Omaha, you know, and it wasn't until last year we finally flew out to Florida, came out to California, actually got some time, and that really helped us going into Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, with all these the bad snowstorms we're getting on the East Coast, how is that going to play a factor you know, for all the teams that are coming from out there in the Midwest, the cold weather that they got. Infamous went to Oklahoma City the other weekend, and it was 30 degrees out there. You know, Infamous stacking their roster as well. But I was going to say, know, we haven't really – we talked a little bit about Infamous, but Infamous got Reezer. They have Alex Goldman. I mean, they're, they're going to be uh, – no Nikki Cuba for the first event. Um, and Nikki got a new job. Doing He's doing really well, actually. Uh, I believe he's a firefighter on oil rigs. So he's killing it, um, but I don't think he's going to make it for the first event. And then I think either one or both of the Bornsteins were possibly going to miss the first event as well. I think it's Jason. Just Jason? I think so. Um, But, you know, they're deep, dude. That's super deep. That's always that question, though. And this this is as we start talking about impact and heat, this is, and now we have to also bring Infamous into this equation as well, too. Yeah, being deep helps. But only five guys can play at once. I mean, we all know that. So yeah. who plays? How much do they play? How much is that going to affect the guys that don't that aren't getting the playing time that they want? And you know it, it, that can cause some problems. And yeah. so with Infamous, is that going to be an issue? You've coached that team. Yeah. You're, you're you're really familiar. I with I think them. that the core. I think that the new rule changes um, definitely help out the core of the team. You know, I know Bobby Avila's can play. Uh, anywhere, anytime, any conditions, broken gun, half a loader, snowing, you know, Damian Ryan and Brad McCurley, you know, those two have been, uh, you know, core members of Infamous ever since, you know, they played that first World Cup uh, uh, 2011. And, you know, those dudes, yeah, 2011, 2011. Uh, you know, with those three, you know, between those three, you know, who are definitely, you know, the core, you know, when I was with the team, you know, just having those three guys together and then you add an Alex Goldman who's in peak physical condition, he's a championship player, um, you know, it gives all them versatility, 
you know, not only is your level of talent real high, but guys that can play multiple positions, you know, they're used to the conditions. You know, that's infamous, I think, is definitely going to be stacked. Trevor, you know, really coming off a great season. Uh, and then the two guys that nobody ever talks about in Cali and Drew Templeton, you know, are just dudes that it's are just they're so nice and the they do their job. job. Done. They, they just get, get their, their job, job done. done. Yeah. You can put those two dudes anywhere on the field. Callie can be your front snake guy or your back center guy. Drew Templeton's just going to slice your throat while you're sleeping, you know, and write his name, paint a picture on the wall with all your blood, not even care, <laughs> you know, then go return some videos, you know, like he's just that type of dude, you know. You're he's got to return gonna, those videotapes. He's not going to be jawjacking around anywhere. He's just going to show up, you know, put you in your grave, then go back and have a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you know. So he is a killer, dude, and he and he's another guy that constantly improves. Yeah. You got ZP Diesel and Corey Bornstein as well. Stare can't, can't leave them out. Yeah, yeah. Corey, Corey has just been morphing into a monster gunfighter, man. Yeah. He's a fucking beast out there, dude. I would not want to gunfight Corey Bornstein right now. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, yeah, I you know infamous, but they I mean they play Impact at the end of the prelims too. Five o'clock Saturday, Impact versus Infamous. That could be a decision maker right there. Um, Shock picking up Ronnie and LJ from Heat, getting back reunited with Sosin. Todd Adamson coming back to play with Shock? (laughs) That is badass. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, but think about it. You know, if if I was Todd, I could see, like, yeah, man, I I can, true semi, walk the fields, no coaching. Like, no kid's going to have a machine gun out there. So, you know, like some, you know, some poser who's been playing for one year that can barely hold lanes and not really gunfight very well, uh, who's going to go out there and shoot, you know, 15 balls a second and keep yeah. you from moving around. Got a sweet new clothing line but can't hold a lane, you yeah. know? Yeah, you know, so it's like... Talks, talks, talks about himself more than he plays. Yeah, so it, this is definitely... Dude, we're going to find out, man. I mean, these these new rules are no joke. Like, yeah. And d- discontent aside, it is what it is. We are now uh, upcoming on the battle. It's about to go down, and everyone on every single one of these teams is going to want is going to be out for blood it's like you said you know the first event of the year is always so fun to watch because i just want to see what the hell is going to happen man who is going to step up this year like who and and also who's going to be you know there's 10 grand at stake for the series title now like i didn't even know that till the end of last year (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like hey you guys gotta tell me but uh but yeah like so impact got 10 grand and um you know, and that's the hardest thing to do in paintball is to win the PSP overall series title. Hardest thing to do. Yeah. Other than, you know, win the Top Gun title. But that's an individual award and, uh, and you know, the series title. So, you know, and we'll keep you guys updated all year long as it goes down. But, you know, you look at the story of each one of these teams, I think Shock's story is starting to get even more compelling than it was last year. Uh, because... You know, you have a, you know, Marcelo is over here trying to burst into the studio. Dude, hey, you're always trying to steal everyone's shine, dog. We already talked about you. <laughs> you, you're, you get your podcast next. This is an old you get, man you party. You get your own, yeah, you're too, you're too young without, yes, the old man without Ryan. Yes. <laughs> uh, Marcelo, I got. Go get me an R2. <laughs> so, uh. So yeah, with aftershock, um, dude, L.J. Woodley could have a breakout year. He really could. We already know how he's how good he is. And also, same with Ronnie Dizon. You know, he didn't get much playing time, and uh, and I and I, I like he's aggressive. Um, he's hungry. He's fast. He's little. Are they going to come in and play like they played 
they got the right back. before they left Aftershock. You know, are they going to play? I hope so. Which was them on the rise, super hungry, uh, believing in themselves, ready to win tournaments. Yeah. Now with two extra years of playing at a high level with Houston Heat, winning tournaments consistently, mm-hmm. combine those, and then come back and try and bring that to a team that has been struggling to get back to the top, is now just fighting with consistency and, you know, a lot of, um, I would say, let's put it like this. You bring those three guys, Sosin, Dizon, LJ, right? Mm-hmm. Those, those guys are buddies and playing for a long time. Lawhead has been their best player. Right? Lawhead has been consistent. He's been incredible. Velez is also a beast, too. Velez really stepping up over the past year, year and a half. Right? That's a solid five right there. That's what I'm saying. You know, and then you got McKenna, um, you know, Wozni. He's back healthy again. You know, he's he's gotten some experience. Um, I mean, I think that they got some talent there. You know, it's just going to be about putting it together. But this first event... You know, it, it sucks for them that they got stuck in the same bracket with Impact and Infamous, you know. So there's going to be an upset somewhere, you know, between this bracket, the second bracket with Damage, 187, Legion, and Dallas. You know, there's going to be a couple teams that are well, upset let, oh, well, let's that talk, let's you talk, think we're ch- championship. I, I agree. Well, let's talk about these brackets Champ- real quick. Championship. Champion bracket. Yes, teams. champion bracket. All right, so bracket, you have uh, Impact, Infamous, Shock, Outlaws. Yeah. We haven't talked about the Outlaws yet. It's another D1 team that's been stomping people out down there mm-hmm. who wants their shot, coached by Jeremy Salm. I really want to get Jeremy Salm on the podcast one of these days so he can tell some stories. Uh, old school avalanche player. Um, and, you know, I mean, again, again, big question mark, though. Can Trey McGann Outlaws, can the Outlaws hold their own with the best of the best? We're going to find out. But, you, like, you know, yes, there's going either shock with their new ramped badass lineup Either they're going down or Infamous or Impact's going down. We'll talk about Impact in a second here. Next one, you got Tampa Bay Damage, 187 Crew, Red Legion, and AC Dallas. AC Dallas could come in like we talked about and surprise some people. Moscow Red Legion, and uh, Virtue's been pumping out some really cool stuff. Kakuza, uh, the guy that makes the videos for them. Some, you know, that's a, that's a compelling narrative over there too, man. Uh, the Moscow Red Legion guys, they have some young guys on that team that are just now like 17, 18 years old. And don't really have a lot of experience and got some of that last year. Kirill does a really good job in those documentaries, too, of breaking down, like, where they really are. That, like, no bullshit look at <laughs> what confronts Moscow Red Legion. Um, and then 187 crew with picking up Sloviak. I mean, they've gotten better and better and better, too. Mm-hmm. Nick's a huge pickup for them. And with Nick, it's like, okay, look, Nick hasn't got the playing time he wanted for the past years on Heat. He gets cut off Heat. We've done a podcast with him, and he was very honest about how, you know, how he felt and how he learned a lot and how he just can't wait to get some spins and prove to the world that he should have been getting those spins the whole time. And he did yeah. great off the bench for them. He was a stud coming off the bench for Heat yeah, a lot of times. For sure. Uh, and then damage. I mean, that's a, that's so that's a fascinating bracket. And then you have the Ironman, Heat, Revo, and Thunder in uh, in the third bracket. Um, God, I mean, you know, is Revo legit? I mean, are they going to continue to surprise people and, and t- you know, either and make it in over Heat or Ironman? And yeah. again, you know, in the Royal Rumble, we're settling who's going to be playing in the Champions Division for the second event in Nashville. And then that third one is Dynasty X Factor Top Gun and Boom. Yeah. So, or fourth one. So, you know, it's, it's going to get a little crazy. <laughs> so, what do you think about Impact, man? That's another one of those teams that. Man, everybody in the league hates it when the best team gets better. Picking up Chad Bougere. Good point. Instant, uh, instant offense. 
You know, you got uh, picking up Keith Brown, you know, more wheels to the snake. I mean, I think Impact's biggest, uh, <laughs> like, it, it was hard for them last year when they were like, hmm, Justin Rabikoff murders people in the snake. Justin Cornell murders people in the snake. Who should we send? You know, but JC was in there, you know, all season just destroying people so well that they were like, okay, we could send Justin over there as the two. Or like a World Cup, we could send Justin over the Dorito side. Mm-hmm. Now, getting a guy like Keith Brown, uh, I think now you have two dudes that are tiny, fast, your snake side's locked up. Now that frees up Justin Rabikoff to go anywhere. The Womet, or the uh, Josh Womet, solid as usual. Um, the the Yakimek brothers. They have no holes. Coming off two, you know, probably some of the best years, the best year that they've had. Zach for you sure. Know, those dudes crushed it. Crushed you know, Zach, Zach was the MVP Zach at uh, Riverside. Yeah, he destroyed like, people last year. He know, was a man on him. Zach Yakimek was a man on a mission yeah. in 2014. Rainy Stan Zach, you know, coming to that team definitely. You know, made them more solid last year. I mean, like, there's not a, like you said, there's no holes. Not there's a, not, not a guy one that, hole. In fact, they didn't have any holes last year, and they built their wall higher. The yeah. dike is higher, keeping the rest of the, the teams at bay. Yeah. The, the question for them, though, remains, can they stay on top? Everyone knows they're the best team in paintball. The hardest thing to do is to stay on top. You know, getting on top is, is definitely a long, treacherous journey. With staying on top when everybody's gunning for you every single game, you know, it's going to be tough. It is. And also, same issue with the with Heat is, and with uh, Infamous, is they're so deep that are you going to get everyone happy? You know, can everyone stay uh, focused on improving themselves and being a team player when they're not getting the playing time that they think they deserve? Everyone's on that team because they're competitive. Every single person that's on Impact is a stud. They're all stars. Yeah. You know, and that's that's it's an all star team assembled from you know basically cherry picking the best of the baddest from other teams uh, to kind of you know wrap around Womet, Cornell, and the Yakmic Bros, who are the you know the Canadian core. But then the question is, can all these guys who buy just uh, just inherently want the ball because that's how they got in this position. That's why they're getting paid to be on impact and travel around the world and try to demolish people. Can they stay focused and uh, will, or will that eat at the team morale? I think the Bart does a great job of, you know, treating the guys really nice. Um, obviously with like, you know, we always see it on Facebook and Instagram and all the trips they take. And, you know, we've seen like Laval is not getting a ton of spins, but he's still a team player. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? You know, just in general, do you think that they're going to be able to, to spread the reps around enough? Or who do you see them sticking with as far as – because a lot of people contributed last year. They didn't have like a, a their starting five. Well, I mean, as, as much as, you know, Justin Cornell will go to the snake, you know, all the time, every game and just dominate people, it definitely takes a toll on your body, you know. So – it's not always like, yeah, we got all these guys. If guys want to win, then guys will make sacrifices. That's what winning's all about. You know, making sacrifices for the guys around you, willing to do what it takes, willing to accept your role and not make a big deal about not getting the spins. I think Justin Cornell will actually be kind of happy that he's got a guy like Keith Brown that he knows can take, you know, some of those spins and be productive still where he doesn't feel like he's got to shoulder the burden. But when you have two guys that are playing at the top of their game that are not equally talented, because I think JC's a a better, more experienced player than uh, Keith. But, you know, Keith has been on the rise as well ever since he came up. By having two guys, you know, that are um, both really 
aggressive and dangerous on that snake side of the field, it allows you to do different things. Like you can diversify your game plans, you can diversify your looks more, mm -hmm. as opposed to when you have one guy that's really good and one guy that's only okay. You know, by having two dudes that are both very dangerous, that's why it was always scary when you'd see uh, JC and J-Rab go to the same side because you can do so many different things. You know, I think, you know, you can look at it one way, like how are we going to get all these guys in there to be the full potential? You don't need uh, 10 guys on your roster to shoot five guys every game. You know, you got to shoot 35 guys in 20 minutes, mm -hmm. all right? So if you can do different things to keep your to keep your opponent on their toes, and this plays, it's not just the short-term play, you know, it's not just one game. You know, it's an entire event. You know, and that's why I loved about when I coached Infamous, having so many talented players is that I could save a play. I could save a guy, save a play for the finals. You know, run it early, and if it works and it's, it's amazing, I save it. You know, keep it in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. You have so many different guys that are, that are so good at doing so many different things that I think you, you want to look at it that way to where – you know, I got so much more I can do mm -hmm. without having to show everything to everybody. Because when you got five good guys, you need those five guys to go and produce every game. Every game. And if, they, every if they're point. doing something well, then they're going to try and do it again. Right? Sometimes you stop it. Sometimes you can't. Right? Yeah. But when you have a bunch of different guys, you give yourself a higher uh, probability of somebody stepping up and having a big event. Well, also, as far as mentality is concerned, uh, have you seen the Kobe documentary yet? Not yet. Dude, everyone out there. Uh, go and watch the Kobe Bryant documentary. It's on Showtime right now. It's called Amuse. It's badass. I mean, I'm not even. I'm not. And as and Todd's a huge basketball fan, I'm not. Um, also not. I mean, I totally respect the hell out of Kobe, and he's the man uh, for what he's done on the basketball court. But I, and I'm. I'm just not really a fan. So I didn't find the documentary. I didn't go seek it out just because I'm like love the Lakers and I love basketball. But I'll tell you what, man. In that contained in that that documentary is a lot of high-level sport lessons. Lots of mental toughness issues that Kobe has had to deal with throughout his time with his personal troubles and all that crazy shit happened where, you know, with the chick in Colorado and his wife almost leaving him and then, you know, having multiple injuries he had to fight through and then coming in the league at 18. And, I mean, it's just a fascinating story that leads you up until basically the present moment and where he is. It's, it's crafted beautifully from the title cards to the way that they, they conduct the narrative arc. Like, all of it is just... It's on point, and it's, and the, and uh, and it, and what he says at the end, um, and I think I even texted this to the other night, but he says, you know, this wasn't about, and this reason why I bring this up is, you know, if Impact's sitting at the top of the hill right now, which they are, coming off their best season ever, and always been fighting uh, to be a dominant team, but never quite being the dominant team. I mean, that has so many second places, and I know what it feels like. To, I mean, when the first year we had ex uh, excessive, we took second place five times in one year. <laughs> I know what it's like to take second place yeah. and have to, to try to fight to get to that top of that hill, and I know what it's like to stay, try to stay at the top of the hill. And Kobe had a really interesting thing. He was like, this was never, and you could tell the way his mentality was, this was never about one. This was about winning multiple ones. And he's like, this was about getting to the point where I could sit at the table with my muses, with Michael, with, uh, with Magic, and feel like I belonged. You know? And that's fucking sick, dude. I mean, that is <laughs> badass. You know? Like, yeah. that is, that's what, and so, but it, it just goes to show you, you know? I mean, yeah, Kobe's innately physically gifted at the game. Yes, his father was a basketball player. Yeah, he, like, was a kid sweeping the courts from a young age and just grew up around it. But that dude put in more time 
and had the right mentality, and that's why he will be able to sit at that table and be considered one of the best basketball players of all time. You know, so it's like, you know, if you're coming up, I mean, I don't, it's just a fascinating documentary, man. It's so interesting. It was one of the things I saw recently where I was like, okay, that's these dudes. They they stuck the landing hard. <laughs> this yeah. is really good. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that. As well as that other podcast about the WWE. So interesting. Yeah. It's uh, just the way they two, break down. Two recommendations. Yeah, the way they break that down and just, uh, you know, I, the way that the, um, again, I don't want to spoil it. You guys just got to listen to it, man. I could sit there and talk about that for a while because it was just, it was really interesting on how that went down and how they actually focused on Marcelo. It's still over here. Or, bro. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Quit staring at me. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, definitely check that out. Um, have you been watching the Viking show? Viking show? Yeah, the Viking show. Uh-uh. You haven't seen Vikings? Uh-uh. Dude, Vikings is badass. It's on the History Channel. It's it's super great. It's uh, it was just interesting because what made me think of it is what's happening with Oliver, you know, and how he's kind of you know choosing to you know to, to walk the earth and to gain knowledge essentially. And it's uh, it's interesting because one of the Viking gods, and the show's badass because it's basically um, set around the historical. It, it starts out with um, you know you're, it's in the Dark Ages, like late 700s, and um, the, there was a Vikings raid on Linda's farm, which was a um, uh, in the north of England. Uh, it was a monastery, and so it was the very it was the first recorded attack in England of the Viking raids, and they came in, killed a bunch of priests, stole a bunch of gold goblets from this church, and then peaced out. And they basically set a fictional story using a lot of the kind of mythical people of that were in the, the Viking sagas. Because the Norse, they didn't have a written language, really. They had runes, but runes wasn't exactly like, you know, modern English is. But um, so there was these semi-mythical, possibly historic figures. And Ragnar Lothbrok is one of those guys. And he's got a crazy story to his myth. And so they basically take him and they cast it perfectly. The dude that plays Ragnar is badass. Um, and then they have this whole thing. But one of their gods is Odin. And Odin's a very interesting creature because, you know, he basically, it, it's, a, it's a god that, and the reason why they looked up to him is that he would intentionally put himself through trials and uh, even, you know, cut his own eye out to gain wisdom. And it's a great metaphor for life itself because if you don't challenge yourself, and that's why it became a myth. I mean, there's a lot of truth in myth, which is why myths are fascinating from all around the world. But the Viking myths are particularly potent um, and and truly fascinating, but, uh, but yeah, so check that out. Well, man, so yeah, so uh, we got the event coming up. I'm pretty stoked on it. That was pretty much rundown. Anything else you want to add before we sign off? Mm. I think we did. We cover everyone. I Impact, think so. Infamous, Aftershock, Outlaws, One Eight Seven Crew, Religion. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk a lot about Heat, but I mean, um, they always come up as we were talking in here. I mean, and, yeah. and I did a podcast recently with some of the Heat guys, so we got a breakdown of their team. But you know, obviously. I mean, if you had to go with your top four, who would you pick right now? Top four? Yeah. Uh, it's got to be Impact, Infamous, Heat. Dynasty. Yeah, it's tough to call. I was thinking, man, I really think X-Factor and Dynasty is going to be up there. I almost said X-Factor, but, I mean... We'll see. We will see. Yeah. And that moral of the story is we will find out come March 13th to the 15th, and it's right on our doorstep here. By the time you guys are listening to this, it's will be the upcoming weekend. So, yeah, get ready for it, man. PSP, very first one, Dallas Open, season opener. 
It's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So thank you guys for tuning into The Real Deal Podcast. And, uh, again, thank you to our sponsors. You need some jerseys, hit up Todd Araza. He'll I lace, got you. He'll lace you up. Only the freshest. Exactly. So, again, thank you guys, and uh, we will see you next time.